Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's magnify the Lord on this beautiful morning. Come on, let's praise His wonderful name. Has it been good to you? Come on, has it been good to you? He's been so good to me. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Why don't you greet your neighbor and somebody around you. Would you welcome somebody to first word with you today? Amen, amen. Go ahead and take a moment, step across the aisle, greet someone. book of Proverbs chapter 22 reading with verse 6 this is this is the last Sunday of our family series and I pray that that has been a blessing to each of you and uh, I want I want to do everything that we do according to the word of the Lord Amen. his his word brings life and power and authority. You can stand on that. There are so many opinions in our day as in every other day, but when we do it God's way, how many know his hand is in that? Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. We're going we're gonna to read um, a couple portions of scripture here. Psalms 127 and 3. Let's, let's read these two scriptures. What does it say? It says, train up a child in the way he should go. What does it say? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want to train up our children. Psalms 127 verse 3, what does it say? It says, lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord. What does it say? And the fruit of the womb is his reward. One translation says that the children are a gift from God, a gift from the Lord. How many believe that? They are. They are a gift, gift from the Lord. And I want you to ask God to anoint your mind, your spirit. I want you to be open to what he's going to talk to us about through his word. Would you lift your hands and say to him, Lord, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be exactly what you want us to be. and Do what you want us to do. We're so thankful, God. I pray that, Lord, that you would help us. Help us, oh God to be the best parents, parenting, leaders we can be, oh God, educators, understanding children. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. Today I am going to teach about parenting and um, parenting. And so I, 
I, like you, haven't always done it right. We've made mistakes in parenting, had to revisit and how are we going to do this. It's not working. And uh, any parents know what I'm talking about in that. And so, uh, but we want to base this upon, upon the word, word of the Lord. If there's one thing I could say that matters with parenting is the word atmosphere. Atmosphere matters in the home. More than just what you say, more than what you do, more than just how you live, is creating an atmosphere that is safe and conducive for growth and spiritual growth in that house. I said it last week, there's more to parenting than providing food and shelter. Well, they know I love them because I provided. You gave them food, you gave them a bed, you gave them a house, but that doesn't mean that you fulfilled your role as a father or a mother. Parenting is about training. Parenting's about training. The Bible doesn't say raise your children and when it's old, they won't depart from it. It says train up a child. How do you train? You have to be intentional about training. You are always training whether you realize it or not. I tell the story that I'll never forget working in the yard and, and uh, I was down over the hill with a, with, with a weed eater and, and while I was down cutting the front bank of where I live at the house and, and, and I caught something behind me and here was Sawyer. He was three years old. He had a fake weed eater, uh, probably a play school weed eater. It was orange, it was about that long and it would turn a little bit. It didn't do anything but it, it, he, he could pretend, you know. And I looked, and he had these big goggles that was falling off of his eyes, off of his nose, and his eyes looked like they were that, that big around. And uh, I turned around and looked, and I saw him trying to be just like me. And pre preschool, play school, uh, toys have have they've made billions off of that over the years because they realize children want to act and be like their parents. Uh, one of the best Christmases we had was for our kids, our, our girls, we bought a fake, a fake kitchen, had a sink, and it, it didn't run, thank God, because it had been flooded. Uh, it had a sink, it had a stove, and it had fake uh, lettuce and tomatoes and hamburgers and skillets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's amazing how they can get scattered all over the house in a little while. And uh, a few years ago, it was sad because we had to put that, several years ago now, but had to put that up in the attic to save that for the grandkids one of these days. But, and the reason we saved it because it was so valuable to our children when they were small. They were wanting to cook like mom, wash dishes like dad. Mom, amen. I, I must have got confused there. I don't know what happened, but... Uh, they, they, they want to be like you. You are their role model. You are their example. And uh, when we were, when we were young, young parents and, and the kids are crawling around the house and here we are, you know, trying to have our routine through the day and, you know, everywhere you go, that little, that little, that little baby, that little toddler is watching what you are doing. I remember sitting at, at the table one day and out of the corner of my eye I could see because I, I learned a lot with, with Lakin and Sawyer being my first girl, my first son 
And uh, I would watch when I would reach for my cup and get a drink, Sarv would reach for his cup and get a drink. And when I would get a bite of mashed potatoes, probably, I don't remember what I was eating, but when I would get a bite of it, he would get a bite of it. When I would reach for the meat or whatever it was on the plate, that's what he would reach for. He was naturally fulfilling his God design by doing what I was doing. God designed children to imitate, to emulate. You cannot, you cannot practice, do what I say, but not what I do. Whatever you do, they're going to do, whether it's a good habit or it's a bad habit. If it's intentional or unintentional. If you scream at your kids, they're going to scream at each other. If you fuss at your children, they're going to fuss with one another. If you teach them and train them through kindness, you, you will find that they will emulate that. And I'm going to go ahead and get to the point in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 says, let's look at it, Deuteronomy 6 and 6. It says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be where? Everybody say in your heart. You know why you go to church? To get his word in your heart. You know why you read your Bible every day? To get his word in your heart. David said, I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And let me stop here. There's all kinds of information in the world for our children. But the greatest information they can receive is the word of the Lord. I don't only want them to hear it, I want them to see it. I want them to see it reflected in my life. Can you shout amen? Praise the name of the Lord. He said, it shall be in thine heart. I believe the church house should be the most important house in our world. The church event should be the most important event of the week. Why? That's where I hear the word of the Lord. That's where I get two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, there I am in the midst of thee. I believe when we start praising him, he shows up and there's nothing compares to the presence of Almighty God. There's nothing compares to the joy of the Lord. David said, I was struggling when I was seeing the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I was struggling when I saw people that do wrong seem to have nice things and I was going through a moment. He said, I did until I came into the sanctuary and I considered their end. You know what he was also saying? I also consider my end. I've got a mansion on the other side. There's a heaven for you and me. Do you still believe that there are streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper? We're going to a place where there's no more pain and there's no more suffering. There's no more sorrow. Come on. I believe there's a heaven on the other side of this life. I believe there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I believe there's a place we're going to. Amen, amen, amen. Can I say our children are going to grow up and realize that the world and sin is a dead end road. I hope they have an understanding because they grew up in your house. They grew up in the church house that there is a better way. I pray that our children that grow up in your house, in our own house, if they would ever wander away, they would understand in the homing device that God has given them. There is a road where the unclean cannot pass.
house where the roaring lion can't walk down. I pray that honing device makes them want to come home to a place of joy, a place of peace, a place of forgiveness, a place of mercy, and a place of love. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. But aren't you glad that when you went astray, there was a call from the shepherd. There was a call from the Lord of glory to come home. And I preached to a lot of people on a Sunday that God allowed you to come home. He bid you to come home. Can you say amen? There will be a comparison one day as it was in me, as it was in you. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. How are they going to know about the kingdom of God? Just because we teach them? Or do we show them? Because you can teach them and not show them. This is the way, but not live the way. It matters how you live, not just what you say. You can know it and not live it. Let me know that's true. So Deuteronomy 6 and 6 through 8 sets the precedence. It says, in these words which I command thee this day shall beware, not just in your mind, but gets in your heart. It gets in your spirit. You can know it and not love it. You can know the truth but not love the truth. You can know Jesus but not love Jesus. You can know the church but not love the church. I love the church. I love our holiness at the church. I do. I love our separation doctrine of the scripture. I love it. We're not of this world. We're strangers and pilgrims in this world. I love our separation doctrine. It's in my heart. It's not just in my mind. I love our altar calls. I love when the preacher says, hey, if God's dealing with you, let's come to the altar. I love an altar call. I love a shouting service. It's in my heart because he inhabits the praises of his people. When the Bible talks about David dance before the Lord, I think it's okay to dance before God. I'm glad I can go to a church where I can be emotional before the Lord. Man, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that is done for me, It'd be terrible to have to sit down like this and be the oddball to raise your hands or to weep and cry. Oh no, when I think of his goodness, I can say thank you Jesus. I can shout hallelujah. Come on. I can, I can leap up and jump for joy because when I think of all he's done for me, there's nothing like this. There's nothing like him. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said it gets in, I put his word in my heart. I love to see our children up here worshiping God. I don't believe a child should be seen and not heard. Amen. They ought to grow up in the altar. Grow up and pray. I love our children coming down to the front and our youth coming down to the front and the adults coming down to the front. I love that. Do you know the first time I ever danced in church? I believe in dancing. It's, it's going to do it with your eyes open. Amen. The Bible says watch and pray. I'll say watch and dance. Amen. I'll never forget. I was, I was 12 years old, 11 years old maybe. and I'd leap for joy. I'd been filled with the Spirit. and I'd had moments, but I never danced before the Lord. But I grew up sitting beside Mimi Johnson. Bertha was her name. Sister Bertha Johnson. 
And uh, I sat beside her my entire childhood. I'd sit beside her in church. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She loved the Lord. Was a righteous person. I grew up beside her. And, uh, and um, I'll never forget, when God would start moving, she would start responding. And you would hear it. It started down deep, you know. Ooh. Aren't you glad you can woo in church? It'd be terrible. Listen, I'm not trying to knock anywhere else, but I'm just saying I wouldn't want to go somewhere where I couldn't be emotional. Where I couldn't clap my hands and shout hallelujah. There's too much Bible for it. Praise him in the psalter in the heart. Praise him in the timbre and the dance. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. I'm telling you, there is a time in church where we have a right to shout, where we got a right to rejoice, where we got a right to praise him. And my grandmother, my grandmother in church, oh, she sat on the second row. And uh, she wasn't always Pentecostal. She had different denominational background, but... But uh, she told me, she said, Aaron, when I was a kid, I found out later why she loved the worship the way she did. She said, when I was a children, such and such a denomination, she said, they didn't believe in speaking in other tongues, she said, but they believed in what they called dancing in the spirit, a move of the spirit. And she said, I watched, I watched, man, she said, our church was full. I'm talking about we would start singing those songs and God would move. God would move in that church. And she said, when I was 12 years old, I'd pick up bobby pins off the floor where women would shout their long hair down in this particular denomination. She said, I also in my adult life remembered when the church was filled with young people, young families. I mean, it was a good place, and she was faithful to the house of God. She was filled with faith. She didn't have the fullness of truth, but she had an experience with, with the Lord. And she said, I remember when they got up and made a decision and the church made a decision in a business meeting that there would be no more dancing in, in the church. See, back in that day, they called it shouting. Shouting means to lift your voice. It doesn't mean to dance. But anyhow, in the church, they called it shouting. So, how many has ever heard we had a shouting service? You're thinking about dancing and people getting excited. Shouting means to lift your voice. But they, they said no more dancing in the spirit. We're, we're dignified and reserved. She said when they took worship out of the church... She said sin moved into the church. She said marriages began to... She said the young people stopped coming until there wasn't anybody left hardly in the church at all. She said I watched the church fail when they removed worship and, and the emotion of worship out of the church. Wow. I don't want a church that no... I don't want to go to a church where nobody wants to come to. Hey, listen. We're a Bible-believing church. Whew. I know who I'm preaching to because everybody in this church has a story. You know what God did for you. He picked you up out of a mess. And when I start singing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound, something starts stirring down on the inside. It makes me want to clap my hands. It makes me want to, is there any praisers in the building? Are there any worshipers in the building? It makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Woo. And grandma, grandma would, would get out of the aisle. I mean, she would start, woo, 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 woo. That's how it would start, woo, 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 woo. 
Woo! I knew she was feeling God. I was sitting right beside her to, to her right, my left. And, uh, I was, and, and she'd start praising him. I've, I've said it many times. She would also can. And she sounded like the pressure cooker in her kitchen. Woo! She would shout. She'd get up with that hair that she fixed every Saturday. There's enough hairspray in that hair. How many remember the tall hair days? I think they said they put cereal boxes back in the day in those hairdos, back in the 70s and 80s. My goodness. She had that big tall hair, and she'd get out, and she'd start doing something like, Woo! It might have looked funny to you, but I'm going to tell you what I remember as a child. I remember feeling something come out of heaven that gushed upon me that you can't get anywhere else. It was the glory of God. It was the presence of God. And can I remind this church, it's those services that I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen people healed. I've seen cancers removed. Because when he comes in the building, something is going to happen. I don't want our children growing up in a church that's dead, that's dry, that's boring, that's, that's judgmental, that's condescending. I want them growing up in the church where they can feel every fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It is the product of His presence. When you get in the presence of our Creator, you're going to feel joy. You're going to feel peace. You're going to feel gentleness. You're going to feel Oh, am I preaching anybody? You're going to feel kindness. You're going to feel faith. You're going to feel hope. Can I tell you, let's have an atmosphere where people want to be a part. Somebody shout glory. And so wouldn't you know it, I'm at a youth camp. I'm 11 years old, maybe 12 years old. Choir practice is going on. We start singing during choir practice up in the old big platform of West Virginia, Point Pleasant. West Virginia, and it's the highest platform in church camp history. We're up there on that platform, and God starts moving, and I just feel the presence of God. And when it started moving over me, I felt to worship God in a dance. I realize not everybody's going to dance. You don't have to. But if you're a dancer, I don't have the rhythm of it. I just got two feet that he healed. I got a foot that he healed. Amen. I should have had my foot amputated. Was told I'd never run again when I was, when I was 12 years old. But God, but God worked a miracle in me. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to thankful people in this building. Brother Jimmy Kincaid, I'll never forget. Sister McBride was leading the choir and choir practice. God began to move among those students. See, it's not about just about going to church and being religious. This is about a relationship with Him. This is about knowing the Lord. This is not about, about just teaching them to know Him. It's for them to get an experience with God. If we can just get our young people, our children, to have a relationship with the Father. How I many know that's all that really matters? It's not about just coming to church. It's about getting a relationship with Him. I want young people to get what I got when I was 12. And when God started moving, I heard His voice speak to me about praising Him. He did, and he spoke to me about praising him. And I'm like, Lord, I'll do it. I, I'll praise you. And oh, God, I, I really don't know what to do right now, but I'll praise you. Then I thought, and all of a sudden I pictured my Mimi dancing. Oh, Lord, I'll do anything but that. I don't want to look like a traffic director. <laughs> and I'll never forget, 
It was like the Lord spoke to my spirit. Are you here to please them? Or are you here to please me? And I forgot in that moment about anybody else. And I started worshiping like my grandmother. I stomped my feet. I waved my hands. I don't know what happened. But literally, I got lost in the spirit of God. You know what some of you need that have struggled for a while with life circumstances? You need to get out of the temporal and step into eternal and see what God sees about your situation. Come on, some of you are getting counsel that's not right. But when you get into the presence of God, you can see clearly what He needs for you. He desires for your family what He's going to do. If you can just get into the presence of God. How many believe this? If you can just get in the presence, miracles happen. Healing takes place. I tell you before the Lord, I don't know how I got from here, but when I came to, I was all the way down in here, Sister Millie. When I came to, I was on the edge of the platform feeling something that at 45 years old, I cannot forget. It was a moment with God. It was a moment with Him. We're not trying to get you to become members of the Anchor Church. We're trying to get you to put your hand in the hand of Jesus Christ. If you can just put your hand in His hand, every single thing is going to be all right. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so I began to emulate what was around me. What grandma did, that's what I did. But the person I sat with in church, what they did. Can I ask, can I ask every parent, what would your children do if they acted like you in church? Would they be on their face in the altar? Would they be worshipers? Would they clap their hands? Would they be emotional? Would they expression it? Or would they run out? Would they leave not responding to the word or to the praise or to the worship? Could I say it's possible you can get used to the presence of God. But I don't want my children to ever get used to the presence of God. I want them to be moved emotionally. I want them to love it as much or more than I do. Sawyer, I want you to love the house of God. I want you to love prayer alone time with God. I want to say that I want our children, look at them on the front row. These young people desire to be here. I'm going to tell you right now, they wouldn't want to be here if there wasn't any place where they could get connected to God. I want when circumstances come in their life, they say, Mom, I need to go to the church. I've got to pray. Dad, let's go to the house of God and have the elders to pray. When there's a bad doctor's report, you know what they do? They say, let's get to the house of God. Why? Because they've been trained. The hope is in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Oh, shout praise the Lord. Lord. Amen. Sorry, I don't want you just weed eating. I want you praying. I don't want our kids just to be hard workers because we're hard workers. Have good careers because we have good careers. No, I want our children to want God more than anything else. I would rather them decline a career position because it's going to take them out of the house of God. Because God's number one. How I many know the Lord is number one? you got to train that and teach that God is number one. Everybody say train up. He said of these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. He didn't say not to teach. He said teach it how often? Everybody say diligently, day after day, week after week, month after month. You teach it one time, they don't get it, neither did you. 
It took you 75 times as well. Somebody's ever taught it and you didn't think they were listening? Come on, be honest with me. How many of you have ever been taught and you weren't listening? Don't, don't hurt my feelings, amen. Watch what he said. And thou shalt teach them diligently. What? Everybody said the word of the Lord. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Woo. When thou walkest by the way. When you go into bed or lie down and when thou risest up. He said, when you're going to bed, let's talk about it. When we wake up in the morning, let's talk about it. It sounds like Bible quizzing. Get your quote, quotes in. But it's more, and I'm going to say to every Bible quiz family, there's more than memorizing the verses because you can know it and not get it in your heart. You can get the word of God in your mind and then never get in your heart. I'm trying to teach you it's not good enough to know it. You've got to love it. You've got to fall in love with it. Here's the question to every mom and daddy today. Do you love him? Or do you just know of him? Are you here because you don't want to go to hell? Are you here because pastor's going to call you if you don't show up? Why are you here? Is it in here or did it get in here? Because you know what I've learned? A message from the mouth will only reach the ear. Parents, listen to me. A message from the heart will always reach the heart. You, you, you've got to get it in your heart if it's going to get in your kids. You've got to share from your heart. Moments of weeping, moments of talking, moments of your testimony. How many have a story of what the Lord has done for you? Share it with your children. Let me tell you what God did for daddy. Let me tell you what God did for mom. And uh, I've learned over the years, sometimes our children, our children need the Lord. Let me know it's true. Sorry, I'm sorry I'm calling you out today, but. He was sitting and some of you heard it before, but sitting in the back seat of the car, he'd been somewhere with, I don't know where he'd been, just a few hours, maybe, maybe most of the day, I don't know, but he gets in the back seat of the car and Lakin's to his right, and I watch it all unfold in the rearview mirror. Like Dennis the Menace. He looks at her hair and looks at his hands. He looks at her hair and then looks at his hands. He looks at his hair and looks at his hands, looks at her hair and looks at his hands, then he just grabbed her hair and yanked it. She screamed, and I said, what in the world are you doing? He said, something's controlling me. I said, he needs Jesus right now, Lord, touch him. Brotherly love, the Bible says brothers are born for adversity. I realized right there, that verse was fulfilled. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they're learning scripture. They're, they're learning the word of the Lord, and Jillian, Jillian spills water on him on a long minivan ride to Arkansas. She spills water on him, and uh, she said, he said, he said, Dad, Jillian spilled water all over me. He said, it's okay, buddy. We'll get it cleaned up. I said, uh, you know, I, I know in the back of my mind, retaliation is so close. It's near. And uh, uh, I said, that's okay. Just wait. We're, we're almost there. We're getting out, and we'll get it, we'll get it cleaned up. Next thing you know, I heard her scream like only Jillian could. I mean, dramatic scream. <laughs> Jilly, what's wrong? Saw your spilled water all over me. I looked at him. I said, what'd you do that for? He said, the Bible says, do unto others as they do unto you. 
I thought, we've got a false prophet on our hands. <laughs> children, children. And you learn that children, they're, gonna, they're, they're kids, they're, they, they're, they're foolish. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Let me know that's the truth. Listen, you think I'm talking to the parents, but you know, and every parent knows when you were a kid, all the foolish things you did. You ever look back at your life and say, man, what were you thinking? Aaron, come on. Anybody ever done that? Can I get a witness from everybody in the building? What in the world? And you have, you have those moments that you look over your life and realize how foolish, but the Bible says a rod of correction shall drive it far from them. Uh, listen, you know, let me just put that in English. Are you ready? Spank the child. Spank the child. Boy, the teaching doesn't match that today. And, and uh, I, I hear a, I hear a, a hand Every child in the Sunday school department just said, man, something's going on in there. <laughs> what in the world's happening in the sanctuary? And uh, my dad said, there's enough cushion back there to take care of it. And Bible doesn't say, Bible doesn't mean to beat them because you're angry. You should never spank your children where it leaves bruises. You should never spank your children to where you, when you're angry. If you're mad, no spanking. And uh, two or three licks, schools were better off back in the day when they spanked, I think. And uh, now there's lost control of society. Truancy is hardly even a thing now because the parent don't support the teacher. And they can't get the kids to go to school because there's no form of discipline. I'm going to tell you right now, when I was in North Carolina and this kid acted up in class and they had a glass room out in the hallway... And they took that kid in there and gave him three licks. He come back and was. <laughs> I said, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be real good. She didn't beat him. But she gave him discipline. What has happened. What has happened in a, in a uh, world that we live in. Is that they said there's no repercussions to any wrong. Now kids are growing up that the, the cops are wrong. The principal's wrong, the pastor's wrong, anybody in authority's wrong because they just want to be able to do whatever they want to do without repercussions. I'm just telling you, if you don't get in control with you, somebody will eventually control you, and that's called jail cell. That, that, that's called probation officer. Somebody's going to be in control of your life, and you've got to learn to get control of you now. And a parent teaching... So listen, here's what I've learned about parenting. Is that every child is born with a will. And some are stronger than others. It's like breaking a horse. Y'all hear me? Don't take clips of what I'm teaching and just post it out there. But, but kids, kids are born foolish. I mean, one of their first words is mine. I mean, no, the word, no. And one of my kids learned real quickly... Weave me a wound. Lakin learned, didn't she, Jolene, Danielle? Go away. Because she was at their house, and that's what they would tell the dog. So she come home and looked at my wife and said, go away. But what I've learned is children are born with a will, a human nature that has to be broken. And so, so spanking, yes, that, that, 
that, that is a repercussion. You do wrong. I'm going to tell you what. When my dad spanked me, he didn't beat me. I, I remember my, my brother. My dad used to have this statement about spanking. Are you ready? He said, go prepare for your spanking. Go, go prepare for your spanking. I mean, honestly, my bro, how many remember Golden Bear books? About that big? My brother put 11 in the seat of his pants. When my dad walked in there to spank his deformed son, he did. He was preparing for his spanking all right. And uh, I, I, I've, learned, I've learned over the years that in, in discipline that uh, when my dad would spank me, I, I knew he loved me. Hurt my feelings. And I'd come back in the room. See, it gets awkward we're talking about this because there's so much teaching about this. That saying, don't spank, you're not. But I'm telling you, there's repercussions. And the Bible talks about this. And we want to be biblical. And that if you do wrong, there's punishment that goes with that. How many know it's true? And uh, something's going to be taken away or something of that nature. And I've learned that in that, when my father would spank me, I'd come back in the room and I'd crawl up on his lap and he'd hug me. You don't ever shun. You might say, go to your room. You think about what you did. It's wrong what you've done. You know, the scripture says that Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was warned by God. He was moved by fear. The Bible says he condemned the world, saving of his own house. You know what he said? That's wrong. What they're doing is wrong. you got to stand up to your kids and have conversations and say, what they're doing, this woke stuff is not right. you got to speak against cultural norms and say, we don't act like that. We don't do this. You don't say that. You don't become that. You don't be that. Can somebody say amen? I'm not telling you to beat your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But a, 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 a spanking that gets their attention is right. Time out chair works. Except for Sawyer. Oh, yeah, I'd say Sawyer, go to the time out. They say if they're... they're if there are two, two minutes, three, three minutes, I don't know. I, whoever come up with that is probably right. But I'd say go to the timeout. Go, go over there, stand in the corner. He'd be in there, Dad, 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 Dad I, my belly hurts. He'd be in the timeout in five seconds. Dad, I think I'm getting sick. He's at 15 seconds. He's got two minutes, three minutes. Dad, something's wrong. Dad, I, 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 I can't. Dad, 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 Dad. Man, I'm telling you, he had a strong will. And I'm going to tell you where we give in is that when the kids complain enough, we just break what we do. And you've got to realize that they have a will. Sometimes in our children, we had, my wife and I had to team up. You know, you've got, you got a partner, praise God. It's on your side. And it works if you're on the same side. Amen. Don't be on the kid's side. Y'all got to come out on the same side. And if you have a disagreement about parenting, you work that out in the bedroom. They come out, work it out somewhere where they can hear the conversation. You come out as one. How many know that? Well, I'd let you, but your mama, oh, I, I, you know, I would, but, you know, she's stricter than I am. Don't do that. That's bad parenting. And uh, let me just throw this in here. If you try to become your child's friend, they're going to resent you in adulthood. But if you will be their parent, you will have a friend for life. But you can't be the parent and the friend. It's like pastoring somebody that considers you a friend. Why are you telling me what to do? You're my friend. Kids, why are you telling me what to do? 
You can't bear all your secrets. You can't tell them everything in your adult life to your children. Let the children be the children. Can you say amen? And when they become adulthood and you train them, you can have a friend for life. I'm not telling you to resent them, push them away. You can have cordial conversations, but they're not adults. Let me know that. And it's real awkward if an adult is a best friend with a child. If I said my, my best friend was a 10-year-old, you said your best friend was 12 and you're 47, something wrong with you. You're two different levels of life. But in parenting, we don't want to be the bad guy, but you, somebody's got to be the bad guy. Somebody's got to be the no. And not all yeses. Oh, my Lance, I'm teaching real good right now, but you're making me feel awkward right now. And you've got to be on the same team. You've got to understand somebody's got to be the disciplinary, and it can't just be one of the parents. You've got to operate together. Somebody shout together. I remember coming home one time and, Walked in the house and, and Cindy had, had the baby all day. When I walked in, she had a lake in her hands like this. She had her personal arm. I said, where are you going? She said, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, she was saying, it's your turn. <laughs> and you, you discipline them with love. The Bible said that a father that loves his children will chastise them. The scripture says if a parent does not chastise their ch children, their children are like being fatherless or parentless. If you do not chastise, you do not discipline, it's the same of not being there. Somebody has to say no. Some of you might love contention. It's an easy thing to say no. But, but truth of the matter is, some of the hardest things you do as a parent say no. Let's stand. Heard a comedian say that his dad told him, he said, I just want you to know that this hurts me more than it does you while he was getting ready to spank his child. How many's ever heard that statement? Yeah. He said, okay, dad, you bend over and let me spank you. Not a good outcome. Can I say to you today that that discipline is right? And we are, live, we are living in the repercussions of an undisciplined generation. I mean, no, it's true. That's why you got 17 locks on your house. That's why you get out and you got an alarm button on your that. Why? Because people just take whatever they want, do whatever they want, hurt whoever they want, be wherever they want, go wherever they want. No, no boundaries. And the last thing that I'm going to bring to your attention, and I, I had something I'm going to bring that ministered me earlier, and I'll, 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 preach, I'll preach about it. And, uh, but in, in 2 Samuel 13, and I feel the, the Lord moving up on me. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 13, talks about Amnon loved Tamar. Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for her. His love for her was so great that he fell sick because he didn't have her attention. The Bible talks about that he... He, his heart was right. He didn't have any ill intentions. But verse 3 of 2 Samuel chapter 13 says, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, but his cousin. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Amnon thought no ill in his heart to his sister. His, his heart was pure. His heart was right. But the problem that happened... And Amnon, who was pure, 
is Amnon had a cousin who was a friend named Amnon. I'm going to say to every parent in this room, all of your parenting can be thrown out through the window because of one friend that comes in your kid's life. The truth. And I've told my kids, and I say it to you, is that I can't tell you who to be friends with, but I can tell you who not to be friends with. I cannot tell you who to marry or to date, but I can tell you who not to date. Because somewhere there's got to be an atmosphere guarding. This is not in my house. Come on, Adam, speak up. You don't belong here. We know that that's not right. And your kids can go away to college, which, which, which man, that's a different day now, isn't it? But you've got to be in their life. Who, who are you hanging out with? Who are you going to be with? You're not just a parent for the first 20 years of life. You're a parent for life. How many of you that's lost a parent, man, you wish you could call dad up or mom up and say, how do you do this? Yeah. Man, how did you do this? You know why? Because you were the one to give an instruction and correction and, and guidance. I'm going to tell you what I don't want. It's some kid down the road teaching my kid what marriage is, relationship, life is, what they should be doing, speaking to them. Who they're... Come on. My life was nearly ruined over a wrong friend. I remember one friend telling me, he said, you, you're not going to be a preacher. The neighbor, you're not going to be, come on, Aaron, you're going to be a preacher? I don't need, I didn't need anybody speaking in my life that's not following the king. Can you say amen? And I'm saying to every person in this room, you should know who their friends are. You should know who they're connected to on the internet. It started out as a video game, friend. On the other side of the ocean. Would you let a stranger come in and knock on your house and say, can I go up and hang out with your with your?" With your son or your daughter? Would you, would you let somebody knock on your door and say, Hey, my name is, my, my name is Jonadab. Can I take your daughter on a date? I'm going to punch you in the throat is what I'm going to do. Amen. <laughs> I'm teasing. Just thinking about it. No. You're not going to let a stranger come in your house and build a relationship. No, you would want to know them. But I'm telling you, through media right now, there are people connecting to your family, building a relationship. I have seen people that were amazingly touched by God that are no longer living for God because of somebody they met on the internet. And you've got to guard that. Guard your heart. Everybody hold your hand over your heart. I know it's strong teaching. Now I've opposed complete culture today. The Bible says keep your heart with all diligence. Proud to become the issues of life. Oh, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want my children to have an influence that doesn't match the teaching of the word of the Lord. Would you lift your hands and say, God, help me to be a, a guide. Help me to be a protector. Help me to be an atmosphere setter for my home. Would you do that? Come on, everybody, for a moment, lift your hands, begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, we're praying today that you would speak. Help us, oh God. Help us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Help our youth to have discretion. Help our youth to know the word, to filter, to filter out any negative influence, O oh God. Amnon was right. 
until he had in their own influence. God, help us to guard, help us to guide. Lord, and lead and to train. Through example, by having your, your word hidden in our heart in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I've hit the clock today, but how many feel the touch of the Lord? How many want to be right with God? Amen, 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 amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.